Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome in to the inaugural episode of the Fantasy Brew Review. My name is Caleb Ivey, and I will be your host for this hopefully enjoyable, entertaining, helpful, enlightening experience, maybe? This being the first episode, the intro might be a tad longer than what you can normally expect, but I want you to know what you're getting into. Uh, now, just in case the title didn't give it away entirely, allow me to give you a bit of an explanation as to what you can expect from this show. First and foremost, this is a fantasy football show. I don't feel like that aspect needs a whole lot of explaining, but as is with every fantasy show, the main goal is to help you be as prepared as possible for your fantasy season. I'll be sharing my opinions on player outlooks and fantasy strategies so that you can hopefully make your own well-informed decisions and, of course, bring home a shiny gold fantasy trophy to put on your mantle. Along with preparing you for your fantasy championship run, there are two other aspects of the show that I'm very excited about and I hope you will enjoy. So at the beginning of each episode, there will be a brew review some days it'll be a coffee, and some days it'll be an ice-cold beer. Each beverage will be given a grade and ranked. The goal is to have the rankings of these coffee and beer reviews so that you can reference when choosing your own beverages. I know I said goal, like like maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. It'll definitely happen. And um, those will be up on our website. That website's not up yet, but it should be up sometime in the next few weeks. But we'll cross that bridge when we have more than one beer under our belt. And now the final, and because I'm honestly a huge nerd, probably my favorite aspect of the show is the review. Now, I want you to make sure you're seated before I tell you this. But this podcast will actually have two reviews. The aforementioned brew review. And once a week, there will also be a review as it's spelled in the title. Defined by Google when you type in review as a light-hearted theatrical entertainment consisting of a series of short sketches, songs, and dances, typically dealing satirically with topical issues. Now, I'm, I'm not going to promise you any songs, and this is a podcast, so you wouldn't see any dancing even if I were doing it, which I may be, you don't know, but the short satirical sketches will definitely be here. And this will be in the form of an old-time radio show at the beginning of one episode a week where you will follow along with Dr. Anthony Dot, or Dr. Dot for short. Like, average depth of target. Huh? 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 Clever, right? And you will follow along on his mysterious quest to build the perfect fantasy lineup and reclaim his fantasy title. Now, don't fall out of your seat with excitement just yet, because that show is not actually going to start until the NFL season starts. But I wanted you to be prepared ahead of time. But you can hang around at the end of the fantasy portion of this episode to get a little bit of a taste of the type of shows that you'll be hearing later on. 
All right. Enough boring you with introductions. Let's get into the review. We're starting off with a beer review. And the beer that I've chosen for our very first review is called a T minus. It's a tangerine Kolsch from the Yellowhammer Brewing Company that is uh, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And I really, I really liked it a lot. And I'm gonna read you the can because I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. It says T minus is inspired by the famous powdered orange drink sent to space with America's first astronauts. Notes of tangerine brighten the palate and pair wonderfully with the clean finish of the German-style Kolsch. Which, I mean, I I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. If you couldn't tell from the name of this podcast and the introduction of the show, I love a good theme. If you theme something well, you've just about sold me. So, this beer, it it got me hook, line, and sinker, man. And I really did like it, though. Um, you could definitely taste the tangerine. And it had that, like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It had that twang that you taste in, like, German beers that I really have no idea how to describe. But literally, my first thought when I took a sip was, like, I've tasted that little twang in Epcot in Germany. So... Hopefully some of you know what I'm talking about, but honestly, I don't know if you will or not. But a huge congratulations to the Yellowhammer Brewing Company and your T-minus. You are currently sitting at first place in the beer rankings. You're also last, but hopefully not for long, because I, I really did enjoy it. I'll try to pick a really nasty beer next, so just to make sure that you're... Oh, and I'm going to be honest. I just realized in the introduction I'm supposed to give it a rating as well. I forgot to come up with a rating. Um, But I'm going to... I'm going to give it an 8.4, which is an entirely arbitrary number that I just came up with. But we'll just base all of... That'll be the baseline, and we'll just base all of the other beers off of that. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right. Well, that's enough of the review. Let's get in to some football. And coming up next, for your listening pleasure, the new sports craze that is sweeping the nation, American football. So this episode is going to be focused on running backs and some of their ADP that I think may be a little bit wonky. Some are going too high. Some are going too low. You'll just have to listen and find out. So, let's get into it. The first player that I have on my list is a too-low candidate, and it is Austin Eckler. I'm a huge fan of Eckler this year. He is my running back 6, while Fantasy Pros has him as the running back 10. And the reason being is because I like his odds of being the guy in his backfield, seeing a huge amount of work in the receiving game, and being on a very good offense. So, Combine all of these things, mix them together, and I think that makes him a relatively safe draft pick. Which, to be fair, we're talking about the first round, or the cusp of the first round for where Eckler's going. So most of these guys are safe. For instance, one of the guys that I have him going over is Nick Chubb, and 
I would consider Chubb to be a relatively safe pick as well, with the amount of work he should see on the ground, but he won't see nearly the volume of receiving work that Eckler will, and he'll also have Kareem Hunt siphoning off carries, which could definitely cap his upside. But back to Eckler for just a minute. Eckler spent half of last year injured, but when he was on the field, he saw a pretty respectable amount of rushing work, and he was absolutely force-fed targets, which is incredibly valuable for a running back. In eight full games with Justin Herbert, which I removed week one, where Terod Taylor was the quarterback, and I removed week four, where Eckler left early due to injury, he racked up 63 targets in just those eight games. That puts him at around a 134-target 17-game pace. If he even gets remotely near this many targets, not only are his floor, but his ceiling is absolutely through the roof. Only a handful of running backs have the ability to see that type of target share, and two of them are sitting in, in my opinion, a tier above him in CMC and Camara. The thing that really held Eckler back in the past is touchdowns, and he only scored three last year. While he may not be your prototypical goal-line type of back, touchdowns are still a pretty unpredictable stat, and with the volume that he should get on what should be a very good offense, you would expect those numbers to go up. Alright, moving right along, the next player in my rankings where I think there may be a bit of a discrepancy is Saquon Barkley, and he's going a bit too high for my taste. Now, I'm certainly not a medical professional, but I had some injury concerns before Saquon was put on the pup, and I obviously still do, judging by the fact that he's on the pup. I think it would be one thing for a player to be placed on the pup list with a recently tweaked hamstring or, you know, something like that, but I do have a bit more concern because he is coming off of a major injury. So, pup list aside for now, Saquon's ADP is at running back 5, and I have him ranked at 10th. And honestly, if I'm drafting right now, I'm probably not going to take him there. It'll be a little bit later than that. But let's assume for now that he'll be back and rearing to go. And I want to clarify one thing just a little bit here. When I say I have injury concerns, I'm not really worried about re-injury. I'm more worried that he may come back a bit rusty, or on a pitch count, or hesitant to go full speed after the injury, which isn't uncommon at all. You hear players who come off of injury all the time talk about how it can take a little while to regain trust in their leg or their knee or whatever the injury is, and it was a pretty large injury. For now, let's put aside all of the injury-related reasons for concern. Saquon missed almost all of last year, so let's take a look at the previous two years. He had a huge breakout rookie year, and a key factor in that breakout was a pretty much immobile Eli Manning, who, when he got in trouble in the pocket, had a propensity for dumping the ball off to his running back. Saquon played all 16 games with Eli in 2018, and he saw 121 targets. He also scored 15 touchdowns that year, which inflates those fantasy stats a little bit more, because then, the very next season, he scored only 8 touchdowns in 13 games, which puts him at a 16-game pace of just under 10 touchdowns. So, don't get me wrong here, that's nothing to shake a stick at. 
And as a matter of fact, it's pretty darn good. But a five-touchdown difference in fantasy points is pretty significant. Now, I spoke earlier with Eckler about how touchdowns are fickle, and they are, but a big difference in Saquon and Eckler are the expectations for their offenses. Saquon may have a higher percentage of his team's total touchdowns, but I would expect the number of the team touchdowns to be a good bit lower. And I would also be remiss if I didn't mention that the Giants have Pro Football Focus's 32nd ranked offensive line going into this season. For those of you keeping score at home, that's last. Now, back to the 2019 season. The majority of that season was also played by a much more mobile Daniel Jones, who was far more capable of extending plays to get the ball downfield, as well as taking off and running for himself. Whether he fumbles or not is besides the point. But I digress. So, from 2018 to 2019, Saquon's targets dropped from 7.5 a game to 5.3 which is over two targets per game. That's still fine, but again, I'm not trying to make an argument for why Saquon will be a bad fantasy player. When healthy, he's one of the most talented guys in the league. I'm just arguing that he shouldn't be going top five. Now, this next one might be a little bit narrative-y, so if you don't like conspiracy theories, you should probably skip ahead a bit. Part of the reason folks are so high on guys like Swift and Kamara are because, in quotation marks, who else are they going to throw the ball to? Well, the Giants just signed Kenny Galladay, who I would certainly expect, with the way he's being paid, to have a good number of targets. If those targets lead to offensive production and more touchdown opportunity for Saquon, great! That's what they were going for. But... What if Galladay soaks up a boatload of targets and the offense still sucks? What if the offense not being good is purely a Daniel Jones problem and he throws to Saquon less because of Galladay's presence? But uh, Galladay is hurt right now anyways, so let's get back to the real world. As I just mentioned, there is certainly a world where Kenny G helps Daniel Jones to level up the offense, a la Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen last year. And that presents Saquon with a lot more touchdown upside, yada yada. But like, the super light version of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Let's not get too wild. And while I'm still not exactly projecting that, admittedly, That scenario is probably more likely than the one where the good receiver hurts the running back. But conspiracy theories are fun. Alright, on to running back number three on this very important official list that I have made. For this next guy, we are going to head back to the going too low category with Christopher Carson. Carson's ADP is currently 20th on Fantasy Pros, while I have him at 13. Now, the narrative on Carson is that he's always injured, and he runs so hard that he just can't stay healthy. But let's be clear here. Running backs get hurt as much or more than any position in football. 
And for any running back to make it through a season without missing a game here or there is actually pretty rare. So, with that in mind, looking back over Carson's game logs isn't as alarming as you may think. Going all the way back, yes, Carson broke his leg in his rookie year, and I'm not holding that against him and you can't make me. Because after that, the following year, in 2018, Carson only missed two games, which I will take that every time from my starting running back. 2019, Carson played in every single regular season game before fracturing his hip in week 16 and finished as the running back 11. So he didn't hurt your team at all. Unless, of course, you played him in the championship game, in which case, I'm so sorry for your loss, and I understand if your wounds won't allow you to draft Chris Carson ever again. You have my permission to skip two minutes ahead to the next player. So, for the rest of you, now that they're gone. In 2020, Carson missed four games with a sprained foot and still finished as the running back 17. Just to recap here, Carson had a broken ankle his rookie year, which we're not holding against him. We've collectively decided right here in this moment. And then in the past three seasons, he has only actually missed six fantasy-relevant games. I will take that all darn day. So, moving on from injury concerns, the Seahawks ranked 18th in rushing attempts last season. So, you know, pretty middle of the pack there. But then they split ties with their offensive coordinator this offseason because Pete Carroll wants to run the ball more. So, for the first point, if you move on from your offensive coordinator in favor of one who will run the ball more, I think it stands to reason that you are probably going to run the ball more the next season. So, Chris Carson is going to be on a high-powered, Russell Wilson-led offense who wants to run the ball more, with plenty of scoring opportunity. Sounds like a recipe for success so far. Let's keep going. Carson led the team last year with 141 rushing attempts. After that, Carlos Hyde was second with 81 attempts. Well, Carlos Hyde is gone. The backs that are still on the roster from last year are Alex Collins, Rashad Penny, and DJ Dallas. And will they see carries? Sure they will. Carson isn't going to be on the field for every play, but none of these guys exactly scare me away from Carson either. They'll give him breathers, but he should be the guy in this offense. That being said, if I didn't convince you not to be afraid of Carson's injury history, maybe keep an eye on a few of these backups. The bottom line, and the point that I'm really trying to get across, is with Russell Wilson at the helm, and the receivers and the playmakers that they have, I don't really see a world where this isn't a productive offense, and the coaching staff has said they want to run the ball more. It's the offense that I'm buying, and Carson just so happens to be the most talented back attached to it. Alright, we've got one more player on this here list. And that player is Damian Harris. And Damian is certainly not the sexiest pick on this list. Just being honest. But Fantasy Pros has him as the 32nd running back off the board. And I've got him at 26th. So, about a 6 spot value. People are off Damian Harris this year. 
And with the way that the Patriots' offense sputtered last year, it is kind of hard to blame them. And if we're being honest, they are by no means looking like a juggernaut offense this year either. So there you go. That's it. That's the show. Did I convince you with Damian Harris? Guessing not. But bear with me. I'll try again. I'll give you a few reasons why the team should probably improve. For starters, the Patriots had multiple key opt-outs last season due to COVID, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, and those players are back this year. They also spent a lot of money in free agency this offseason, and all signs are really pointing towards a very solid defense and a not great, but certainly improved offense. Two of the biggest signings that the team made this offseason were two tight ends, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. And with what they are getting paid, you would certainly expect them both to see a lot of playing time. So, if you are piecing this puzzle together the same way that I am, spent loads of money on defense, loads of money on tight ends, iffy quarterback play, it sure seems to me like the Patriots are planning on running the football. And honestly, that is probably their best plan of action if they want to win football games. Some good old-fashioned running the ball, stout defense, managing the clock. It's not fun for the rest of us unless you're the Patriots or a Patriots fan, but it will probably win football games. And they're okay on offense. They made some solid additions at receiver, And they added the two good tight ends that we've already talked about. And then at quarterback, they've got Cam Newton, who struggled mightily last year. And they've got a rookie in Mac Jones. So, in my opinion, one of two things will happen at quarterback. Either, number one, Cam gets in the full offseason that he didn't get last year. He's healthy, and he plays much better than he did last year. Or, number two... Cam is just done, Mac is the starter, and he plays much better than Cam did last year. Either way, I think it's an improvement over last year. Now, as far as fantasy football is concerned, Mac is almost certainly the better option for Damien. He's not exactly as mobile as Cam is. He should be much more inclined to dunk the ball off instead of running it himself, and he shouldn't really take away any goal line carries. But either way, the offense should be better, and in the end, that's better for Damien. But how about let's talk about some actual running backs, since this is still a running back episode for a little while longer. Damien should be the clear RB1 on this depth chart. He's clearly past Sony Michelle. There is James White, who will no doubt still be involved as the pass-catching back, but he probably won't do a whole lot in the ways of taking early down work from Damien. And then there's Ramondre Stevenson, who's a rookie running back out of Oklahoma, and thus far he has had less than glowing reports out of camp. Also, the team let Rex Burkhead walk after last season, which left 91 touches vacated. And Rex Burkhead, I mean, he wasn't a world beater by any means, but he was a super solid, well-rounded running back that the team trusted. The point being, Harris should be the clear early downs back, and there's some carries vacated. And if 
James White were to miss time for any reason, he is probably the next best pass-catching back, I would imagine. So, as we said, Harris is going as the 32nd running back, and I think that's kind of his floor. I think he can be around that mark, with Cam taking goal line work, and James White catching all of the passes. On the other hand, if Mack is on the winning end of the quarterback battle, Harris gets the goal line work, and what if they do give him some of the Burkhead treatment and throw a few passes his way? I don't think that's totally out of the question. Now, with all of that being said, I'm not drafting Harris much above his ADP. Number one is because I don't have to. You can get him at his ADP. And number two, while I'm saying that his upside is higher than his actual ADP, I don't think he has league-winning type upside by any means. Unlike the other guys on this list, whether or not I draft Harris is kind of dependent on what my team looks like up until that point. If I've started my draft with three juggernaut running backs, I may not want to draft Harris because I will probably never play him over those guys, even if he does hit his ceiling. When I'm already strong at running back, and I want to take another one, I'd much prefer to take a swing for the fences type of pick, like a, a Trey Sermon or a Javante Williams, a, a young rookie who could potentially take over his entire backfield and get all of the work, and on potentially a better offense. But, let's say that you start your draft with one of the stud tight ends and a few stud receivers. Now that is the perfect time to grab Harris as a sturdy running back that you can plug in and he should outperform his ADP, and then maybe pair him with a few of those upside guys and hope one of them hits. That's certainly not to say that you can't have stud running backs and Harris, because as we mentioned earlier, running backs get injured often, and depth is important, but that's just the way I like to play it. Alright, that is going to be it for me on this episode, folks. Thank you so much for tagging along on the very first episode of the Fantasy Brew Review. If you enjoyed the show, please, please, please leave a review, subscribe, tell your mama, tell your daddy, and everybody you work with about the show. It's obviously just starting out, you're listening to the first episode, and any and all help is greatly appreciated. If you have any questions for the show or suggestions for coffee or beer reviews, it could be one that you really enjoy, that you want other people to hear about, or one that you've always wanted to try and just never gotten around to it. Let me know. You can reach out and find me on Twitter. The show handle is at the FF Brew Review. And again, review is spelled R-E-V-U-E, just to make things complicated. But thanks again. Have a great rest of your day. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, hang around for a very short preview of the old-timey radio show, that will soon be a part of this podcast. Many years ago, Dr. Anthony Dot was a happy man. He had a beautiful wife, dutiful children, an adventurous disposition, and a winning smile. And then it happened. On a dark and gloomy night in early January, the very thing that kept him going. His most prized possession. His life's work 
and purpose for his very existence was stolen right out from under his nose. His fantasy title. In the next several years, Dr. Adot, as he was called by his peers, dedicated all of his time and energy into finding out how to build the perfect fantasy lineup. He read every book, tried every draft strategy. Each time he thought he was growing closer, things took a turn for the worst. He seemed destined to fail. Destined to be Sacco. But why? He couldn't crack the code. That is, until an unexpected clue fell. Tune in to the Fantasy Brew Review to follow along with Dr. Adot in his quest to build the perfect lineup and reclaim his fantasy title.